one week from the day that we recorded this podcast, the Bengals will be on the clock in the NFL Draft, a day that everyone, including the Bengals, have been waiting for. And we heard from the Duke of Cincinnati himself as he lays out what we might expect or what we might not expect to come in the draft next week. And when I say Duke of Cincinnati, I'm talking about Duke Tobin. Welcome into another Strictly Stripes pre-draft edition of the podcast. Muhammad Ahmad joined by Andrew Gillis. Mike Nislik has a day off. He will join us on Friday to do our mock draft, which should be an exciting one. I'm looking forward to that. Our final draft as a Strictly Stripes unit before next week. Um, but before we can even talk about making a mock draft or anything of the likes, you know, obviously, you know, we had all these questions going into this week. Entering, you know, next week's draft of, you know, do we have a better sense of where the Bengals are going in the first round? You know, is there sort of a position they're prioritizing now that they've already made some additions at tight end and at, you know, offensive tackle and safety? You know, could they maybe make some sneaky picks? Are there some needs we're not talking about that maybe the Bengals are thinking about? What does Joe Mixon's future look like? I mean, there's so many things we could talk about that we are going to talk about, but I think you want to kind of start with sort of where things are right now with, you know, kind of uh, just the the veterans that you want to extend for next year. You know, the fourth-year starters, Joe Burrow, Logan Wilson, uh, and T. Higgins. You know, we heard Duke Tobin in Indianapolis at the Combine the last time he talked. I mean, he said bluntly, if you're looking for T. Higgins, go find your own wide receiver because, you know, they're not going to trade him. So, you know, there was no bluff there. It really showed, like, okay, yeah, T. Higgins is a priority. And like he said today – you know, they are trying like heck to lock down Wilson and Higgins and Burrow. Now, here's the thing. We, we know how he feels about Higgins. Burrow is Burrow. But, like, is it – I don't know. I feel like is it bluff to say that, like, he thinks they can keep, whether it's done this year and or next year or a combination of both. Like, is it realistic to say that you want to keep Joe Burrow and T. Higgins and Logan Wilson? Or do you really think, like, there's no bluff and, like, he actually wants to get this done? Well, I don't know. Bluff is probably the wrong word. I think he wants to get it done. I, I think, you know, he, he made he made mention a couple of times today that, you know, you want good football players on your team and you want to keep as many of them around as you can. And, I mean, that's obviously not breaking news. You know, that's not anything new. Every general manager in the league is going to say that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he was pretty guarded with kind of the way that he answered everything from, from the draft to questions about Jonah Williams to everything. Um, you know, there wasn't really um, – you know, there wasn't really like a, you know, kind of a, a whoa moment uh, of the of the of the presser that was, you know, it, everything was pretty formulaic. There there wasn't a ton of that. Um, so, you know, to me, I, I think it's not so much a bluff as it is him just not wanting to commit to anything, because obviously in any world you want to keep T. Higgins and Logan Wilson. You know, the argue the argument for, you know, one of those guys leaving has never been. Uh, you can do better. You know, the, the argument has never been with T Higgins. Ah, well, you know, maybe you can improve at the receiver position if T Higgins is gone. You're going to get worse if T Higgins leaves. Like that's not, that's not a, you know, that's not a, that's not like a stocking thing to say. Um, I, I just think right now you've got Burrow coming up. You got those three coming up on a contract that you mentioned and there there's, you, you want to win in 2023 and the, and there's, those guys are going to be a part of the team and there's just not really a benefit to saying, Oh, well, geez, guys, it's going to be really hard to keep all three of them, but we're going to try it. No, th- there's no benefit to that. You know, you don't want anybody thinking that, you know, there's, there's something, uh, there's something rotten in Denmark. You want 
everybody to think things are great, things are good. Hey, we're going to try and keep all these guys. We're going to lock them in uh, because the alternative is saying, you know, hey, we'll listen to anything. And then all of a sudden the narrative starts, oh, well, maybe is T. Higgins on the book. You don't want that. You want to shut it all down. I think that was the way you kind of have to do it. Uh, it's not exactly the most exciting conference news conference in the world. It's not exactly the most exciting answer, but I think that's just the way you kind of have to approach this type of thing. Well, I don't mean to say that, like, does he actually mean it? I guess what I'm saying is, like, does he actually believe that that could happen? Like, he's going to say that just as any general manager in the NFL for anything is going to say that. But, like, do you think he actually believes that, like, they can do it? Because, like, think about Logan Wilson. Like, if you're you're looking just based on market value, I know we talked about this, like, you know, before free agency and after the season was over, like, back in February, and I wrote about this. But, like, if you're going to pay Logan Wilson something fair, like his market value, like you're looking at $9.4 million per year, which is basically like, you know, I, yeah, I'm just guessing if you're his agent, you're looking at like maybe trying to get a three-year, $28.5 million deal. I mean, that's going to make him a top 30 paid linebacker, which, I mean, linebackers aren't necessarily the richest commodities, although we think that's – I think that's changed kind of with like the deals that the Bears gave to like Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. But, I mean, even then, like – that's a lot of money. Uh, and I I think, you know, it would be idealistic to, yeah, try to keep him, try to keep T, but like, can you pay T 20 a year? Can you pay Logan Wilson nine a year? Can you pay Joe Burrow? Not, you can't. I mean, will you pay Joe Burrow the 51 a year with everything in regards to that? Like Joe Burrow is going to get his money, whether it's 48, 50, 55, like that's not the concern. The concern is, are you going to do that shelling out another 29, $30 million for Logan and T Logan and T. I mean, that's, I mean, we don't really know what the Bengals cap will look like in 2024 beyond because we just haven't gotten a sense of what's going to happen with Joe Burrow, which is why I think like the good thing is if, and when we find out like Joe Burrow's deal, like when he gets extended, which again, we could, we could presume is this off season, unless they want to delay it to next year, maybe do the fifth year option. Who knows? Cause he's a first round pick. Um, I don't know, but like, I think if you, you figure out the cap space for Burrow's deal, like, we know what's going to happen with Jalen Hurts through those five years. Like we, we saw the details Adam Schefter released. So now you can look at the Eagles and say, okay, maybe they can do this with this guy who's up in 2023 or who, this guy who's up in, uh, I'm sorry, in 2024 or this guy who's up in 2026. Like, I just think it's, we could talk about this forever and ever, but like, we just really don't know. If I'm in a world where it's like, oh yeah, you're paying Burrow like a discounted rate of like $50 million just under what Jalen Hurts is making then yeah, absolutely, absolutely you can keep T. Higgins. I absolutely think you can. Logan Wilson is a toss-up, whereas if it's like $55 million a year for Burrow, then it's like, yeah, I would think Logan Wilson is going to be in like a Jesse Bates situation where maybe they tag him, maybe they don't, they let him walk, or you just have some kind of fallout. Not fallout, that's the wrong word, but like holdout, I should say. But I mean, like, do, do, you, do you think that like he's just going to kind of like let – you know, let one domino make the others fall? Like, do you think he's going to focus on Burrow and then let that domino take care of the rest? Well, I think you kind of have to. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, he, he said at the combine, Burrow could be first, could be last. You know, they like he was guarded. He was guarded there. He was guarded today. I think, again, with Burrow, you could do it. You know, if you look at Jalen Hurts' cap number, you know, for the next four years, it, you, you see the, the, the figure that he got five for 255 and you go oh my god and and you see the cap numbers and you kind of start to go what in, what in the hell how does this what make tarnation sense? <laughs> don't ever say that again we're not we're, <laughs> oh, 
Um, but yeah, like you, you kind of start to you kind of start to get a little confused by that. So you know, maybe there's something there. I think there's there's pros and cons to doing it either way. You know, to getting the the biggest fish kind of under wraps and and saying, all right, you know, Burrow's the guy. Uh, here's what his numbers are going to be for the next four years, eight years, ten, whatever it is. Uh, and then kind of working around that. There's benefit to you know saying, okay, you know, we've signed these guys for this long, and you know now we know what the cap is going to be for this. You know, th- there, there's benefits to both. So um, we'll see. I think I personally, I think I would I would try to get Burrow done first, and then kind of go from there. And but um, we'll have to see. Burrow is the face of your franchise. It goes without saying. But I think if you're in a situation where you want to try something tricky and maybe get T. Higgins down first, well, what happens if that limits you in some ways where it's like, you know, Burrow might want a certain number and you're trying to go a little bit underneath that? Then you're in a bind. And so if you do it the other way around where you focus on Burrow first, then you have more wiggle room to negotiate with T because let's be real. Like, I hear what you said about T leaving, making the team worse. Objectively, yes, they will not be the same without him. But is T. Higgins that good where, like, you cannot replace his production, like, in the draft? Not this year, I don't think, because this is not a good year for draft class wide receivers. No disrespect to Jackson Smith and Jigba and other receivers. But, I mean, like, let's be real, it's not what we had with Jamar Chase or with Justin Jefferson or, you know, even Higgins, who was drafted the same year as Jefferson around the part. Like, it's not that. I don't think it's that situation where you, you know, what I'm trying to say is it's not the end of the world if for whatever reason you can't keep T. Like, I think he is replaceable to an extent. There will be drop off because, I mean, obviously it's going to take time for a new guy to come in and have the relationship with Burrow Higgins has, like Chase has. But I don't think T. Higgins is a guy where, like, you lose him and it's like the world is falling apart and the world's coming to an end, you know? So I, I think it'd be wise to focus on Burrow and then just hope that you have enough cards in your deck to kind of uh, lay the hand you want with Higgins and Wilson. But then kind of looking at, you know, the other veteran who I think, you know, I probably should have mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. Obviously, that's Joe Mixon. You know, um, I know you and Mike talked about his situation uh, with the aggravated menacing charge, which he pled not guilty to uh, in Hamilton County Court on Wednesday. Um, And, of course, he has another court hearing coming up, I believe, sometime in early May. I forget the exact date, but... While that case is still going on, you know, the draft is a week away and Duke Tobin didn't rule out picking another running back in the first round. Like he basically said, we're going to pick anything and anyone except for a quarterback because you have Joe Burrow, obviously, and a specialist, unless you really think there's a Sebastian Janikowski floating in there somewhere. But that's disrespectful to Evan McPherson. In all seriousness, though, um, I mean, the door's open, whether it's B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs or anyone I'm not thinking of, like, they, they could do it. They could pull the trigger in the first round, and if they don't, I almost think you definitely pull it in the second or third round. I mean, like, let's think about it like this. There's going to be a running back picked. We can almost guarantee that. But if a running back is picked in the first or second round, regardless of the legal situation that's going on with Mixon, which obviously we need to see more happen with that, like, regardless of that, you know, does that almost mean that his job is in trouble? Or do you think they're going to just basically get someone to compliment him and then see how he does in 2023 and then decide if it's worth cutting him after that. Well, I think, um, you know, t- today told me nothing about the future of, of the running back position for the Bengals. Um, I-, I didn't get the sense that, you know, I didn't get the sense that there was any kind of material change, like nothing about what I thought going into the day changed. I thought that, 
you know, Joe Mixon, you know, it was kind of on shaky ground going in. You know, I wrote a story about that today, um, you know, where it was, hey, look, you know, they've there's some numbers on the field where they've started to take a dip. Uh, you know, his cap hits really high. Um, you know, he is starting to get a little bit older. There's a lot of evidence there. And the Bengals, frankly, I mean, like you said, they need a running back. So I I don't think anything really changed today. You know, it would be different if, if there was some kind of leading quote where, you know, you could kind of infer that there were decisions, you know, that were ongoing or anything like that. But, um, you know, there was nothing like that. It was very generic. So, you know, nothing, like I said, nothing about what Duke said today told me that there was an imminent change. I think, it, it still kind of is what it is. It's going to come down to the draft because this team wants to win in 2023. And I know there are a lot of people out there who, you know, think that Joe Mixon's washed or think Joe Mixon is whatever. And, you know, I, I think the pendulum might've swung the other way where, you know, Joe Mixon is still a serviceable NFL running back at the very, very least. Like no matter if, if the Bengals release him, he's going to go somewhere and get meaningful touches. So you know, I don't know. I, I, I actually, I actually don't know how I feel about that. I, I yeah, still disagree I mean, with you there. I, I just think that um, I, I don't know. I, I just think that you know wherever you go, like like unless he's backing up a Jonathan Taylor or a Bijan Robinson, you know, like which I don't think he would sign there um, in those in those cases, you know. But uh, like unless he's going to back up somebody, like he's going to get the ball wherever he goes. It's just it's just a matter of can the Bengals get better keeper, and I think that nothing to me fundamentally changed. But do you actually think, like, let's say there's a situation where, like, we've reportedly been seeing that, oh, you know, the Bengals are expected to offer him a pay cut, and if he says no, then the door's basically right there in his face. Like, do you actually think other teams would, would call him and say, hey, like, we want to offer you this and that? Like, I, I know this might sound crazy, but I don't think other teams would want, want him. No. I mean, I, like, think think about that. Think about it. Like, well, here's the thing, though. Like, let's be real. First of all, we, we don't know the situation of his, his legal case. Now – he could be cleared of that. He could beat the case. We don't know what his defense team is obviously going to do. That's a whole other conversation. But, like, let's say he doesn't get the result he's looking for in court. And, like, he's got that hanging over his head. I mean, there's a possibility of a suspension there. Like, this is if – I mean, this, this is a hypothetical. If he's found guilty of something and the NFL looks at that and says, yeah, I think we need to put a suspension down. I mean, what if they do that and then he's not even in Cincinnati? Like, do other teams want to – Take a chance on that? I don't know. I mean, I think that's a real legal, possibility. The legal argument aside, I, I like if uh, I mean, obviously, because like you said, that's a whole other conversation. But I think you know, if if everything clears itself, there, he's going to play. Like he's good I still don't know if he somewhere. does. He's no, he's he's good enough to play somewhere. Like he's he's good enough. You know, there's a there's a really valid case that he's not you know a true number one anymore. That you know he's not going to be a top five running back in the league. He's not going to be a top ten running back in the league, whatever. Um, but so many positions across the league, you know, have one A, one B kind of situations. Like I'm trying to think of a good example here. Like I mean, you're telling me that he can't go to he can't go to Dallas and spell Tony Pollard. Like Tony Pollard would be the one, but Joe Mixon can handle carries there too. You know, you're, it's you're not telling that. me you're, it's, you're telling it's me it's you can't go to Tampa and back up Rashad White. Like, you know, there, there's, there's, there's options there. And like, you know, Joe Mixon, like I, you know, there are flaws. He, he's, you know, he's not a great pass blocker. You know, you don't really want to put him in when, when you need to, when you need a block out of the backfield, you know, he's not a Samaj P Ryan there, but again, I, I, I still think he's good enough to play. And the fact of the matter is the Bengals are not going to cut him or, you know, they're not going to risk, you know, kind of him moving on 
if you don't know that you're going to get, you know, significantly better play um, just because Mixon's a known quantity. And if you bring in a rookie or, you know, rookie, and then, you know, you sign, you bring in a rookie and you sign a Kareem Hunt or something, you sign a Leonard Fournette or a Zeke, like you don't know that that tandem is going to be better. I think, you know, with the rookies. So it, it, it all just depends, but no matter what, Mixon's going to play somewhere next year. Well, here's the thing, though. Legal issues aside, I should say. I don't disagree with any of that. I think he is more than capable of backing up all those guys and all those teams you mentioned. My concern is, like, this is where you have to go back in time. I think this is what some people forget because it's been six years. Like, when he was in the draft in 2017, obviously, we all know he was the most polarizing, controversial player in that draft with, you know, his situation that happened where he assaulted a girl, you know, at the University of Oklahoma. Four teams had him on the board. I mean, the guy was arguably the best running back in the draft, one of the best players in the draft, and only four teams had him. I don't think those other 28 teams have forgotten. I think they've seen how much better he's gotten and how good he was and the Pro Bowl numbers he put, but I still think that, like, I'm not going to try and get in these GMs' heads, but, like, you don't think that they, you know, haven't moved on from, like, you know, the polarization that he brought in that draft? I think some of them are still scared to, like, deal with the baggage of, like, the things that he did. I mean, because, again, this is not holding anything against Mixon. This was, you know, a long time ago. But I think some GMs are still weary of, like, having a guy like that on their team. Do you, do you think that's a stretch, or do you think there's, like, a case to be made there? Because I think yeah, some I mean, of these might know, be the worried current, about the current stuff is The current stuff is what would scare teams away. But, again, like, if you if, if you can play, you can play. And if you can help a team win, you can help a team win. And I think, uh, I think he still can. So, you know, to me, as long as there's not – Anything current going on, I, I don't see it being an issue for him being on a roster in 2023. When we come back, we're going to spin things forward and look at what the draft will look like, how the Bengals' strategy may or may not change, and why that's the case, plus much more to come right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. All right, and thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Meant to mention this at the top of the show, but make sure you sign up for our Strictly Stripes newsletter. It is free. It is in your inbox every morning, and it is easy to sign up. You just go to cleveland.com slash newsletters, and you click on the Strictly Stripes newsletter. Again, it is free. You get all of the insights and reporting from me, Mike, and Andrew in your inbox on the daily. It's easy, and it's free. Cleveland.com slash newsletters. And, Andrew, I know with all of the action going on with, uh, you know, the draft coming up in a week and all of the things from Duke Tobin that we've been talking about so far on this podcast, I know that you've been really filling in our subscribers on subtext through our Cincinnati Football Insider Service on everything happening, everything going on. You know, why should fans sign up for Cincinnati Football Insider, especially with the NFL draft coming up in a week? Yeah, you know, go to Cleveland.com slash Bengals, StrictlyStripes.com. You're going to be able to sign up for that. It, it, it's very cheap. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to cost you a lot of money. Uh, you can cancel at any time, so don't feel like you're going to be roped into something. But, again, you know, it is a really nice service in order to, you know, with Twitter kind of breaking down. I mean, how do you know if I'm the real Andrew Gillis now without a blue check mark? Uh, well, I lost you know mine the, too. Yeah, you know that this is the real Andrew Gillis uh, sending you messages and the real Muhammad Ahmad and Mike Nislik. Um, You know, you're going to get a lot of good stuff from the draft, from free agency to our thoughts on – on where the team is going, what the team has done, and, and kind of where we think things might head. So, yeah, it's a great time to sign up. The draft, you got rookie mini camps, you got all kinds of voluntary workouts going on. Um, so, if you want to, uh, if you want to get some, you know, get the news first. That's a, it's a great place to go. Indeed. And speaking of news, I guess like Andrew said earlier, really nothing like jaw dropping. 
you know, from really Duke nothing Tobin in talking. general. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, love Duke Tobin, hate Duke Tobin, man. That's just the way it goes. He, you know, I will say this about him though: if you're like on the flip side of what we do and you're him, he does a really good job of like staying guarded and not giving anything away. Because like you think about like Brandon Bean, the Bills' general manager. I think he said this like way back a few months ago, and he was like. You know, something along the lines of, I'm just glad we're not bad enough to draft like a Jamar Chase or something like that, which kind of like turned some heads of like, wait, what are you talking about, bro? So no, Duke Tobin, he's been doing this for almost as long as I've been alive. I'm 25. He's done this for 24 years. So he knows what he's doing. Um, and that's why he has his own strategy in mind to where he kind of talked about it today. And he was saying that the approach, you know, without giving away too much of the strategy, obviously, you know, their approach with rounds is interesting. You know, they don't look at it as like, okay, second round, we're going to focus on running back. Fourth round, we're going to focus on safety. Sixth round, we're going to focus on linebacker. Like, they don't look at it like that. The, the way he implied it was basically like, not only is the door open for anything in the first round, which I want to get to with tight end and offensive tackle, but like beyond that, let's say you get to the second, third round and your best player available is a safety or one of the best available is a wide receiver. Like, the way he implied was that you're not going to completely rule that out, you know? I mean, do you think that approach makes sense? And, like, if so, do you think that maybe sets, like, a new precedent where they finally draft a D lineman in the first round, where maybe they finally, like, draft a position pretty high that they haven't drafted very highly, like, in the last decade or so? Well, that, I mean, the defensive line point that you just made, I think that that kind of goes in contradiction with what he said. Um, you know, he, he made the point, you know, nothing's off the board for us, and I think – that is, I'm not going to say it's lip service, but it is something that every GM says. Um, I mean, I think you really kind of see at the end of a draft, you know, where where things actually, you know, where things actually kind of happen. Because, you know, if the Bengals end the draft, you know, with all of a sudden you look at their, their seven picks, let's say they do make seven picks, um, you know, you look at the board and, hey, wouldn't you know, they have a running back, a tight end, a tackle, a corner, a safety, and a backup quarterback, and what, what, however many that was, I wasn't keeping track. You know, if, if all of a sudden the, the positions that everybody said, you know, oh, they got this edge rusher early and they got this DB or whatever, all of a sudden magically those positions get filled. Um, you know that, that you know that could just be a coincidence, but also, but it also just could be, you know, kind of the way the board laid out. So you know, a, 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 a GM is always going to say we want you know the best player on our board. Because, uh, you know, if you get if you say that you want the best player on your board, then, uh, you know, it allows you that opportunity to say, OK, you know, this guy was truly the best player on our board and we really like what this guy can bring us. So, uh, yeah, I, again, you, you this is that time of the year where, you know, the the GM talks and you listen and it's almost on you to try and figure out, you know, what he means by something, because like today he was pretty guarded with everything, you know, um, you know, he talked about, you know, kind of taking best player available approach. And I think, uh, you know, you're not really going to know much more until you hit the, uh, you know, until you hit next week. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you know, we can kind of look at their historic trends. Like I said, you know, they haven't picked a D lineman in the first round since Justin Smith, the cowboy in 2001, before he actually became the cowboy, you know, and he kind of said, like, maybe it's coincidence, maybe it's not. But I think that's his way of saying, like, yeah, we don't really believe in that. Because, like, let's be real. Like, if they really wanted to, if they really wanted to, we're talking 22 years, and, and you know, since that, that draft pick, 
They could have easily picked the D lineman if they wanted to in that span in a first round, you know, setting. They did Carlos Dunlap in the second round. They got Geno Atkins in the fourth round, who ended up being one of the greatest players in team history. I mean, obviously they haven't shied away from drafting, you know, D linemen and drafting them high, but I don't know. I just wonder, like, it, it, it raises the bigger question, like, you know, people say this isn't your dad's bangles or your grandpa's bangles. Like, are we going to see, like, you know, the team kind of bucking trends and, you know, like doing things that they haven't normally done or haven't done at all in the draft? I, I don't know. But, again, as guarded as he was, I think, in my opinion, that does open the door to, like, maybe getting a Kalijah Kansi, who, spoiler, I had him in my latest mock draft, which I'm going to have coming up on Friday. I had him out of Pittsburgh as a first-round pick. We've had Mozzie Smith as our first-round pick in our mock draft we did with Mike last week. I think you've had Mozzie Smith in there. Mike has had Brian Breesy from Clemson, which I don't think is crazy. Like, I don't think those are crazy options, and I don't think it's going to be crazy to see them, like, draft a wide receiver in the third round. Like, I know Mike was like, oh, that's crazy to even waste capital on that, but, like, what if you get to the third round and, like, Jaden Reed is there, and you feel really good about his slot production. I don't think that's the worst pick in the world. Like, if he's the best player on the board, and you really think that you're not going to keep Tyler Boyd past 2023, which I don't think is even going to happen, I don't think that's crazy. It might be crazy to, like, people like Mike, for example, but, you know, no disrespect to him. Maybe he's listening to this, but, like, I think we can't guarantee anything like you said, but what we can say is based on what we've seen and based on what we know, it shouldn't be surprising if, like, you know, we're not going to see a jaw-dropping pick, like I think we saw with Dax Hill last year. That was a little bit jaw-dropping that they were, you know, going to pick him that high, even as the Jesse Bates fallout was kind of playing out. But I think we might see something where it's like, oh, okay, so maybe they weren't they weren't feeling tight end or they weren't feeling tackle. But at least to my next point of, you know, and this is, I think, actually what kind of, you know, certainly narrows down some of the options in the first round. You know, one thing he said was that, you know, they're past the days of, you know, drafting guys that are like, you know, three, four-year projects. Like, you're at a point where it's like, look, you have one contract with these rookies. It's a three, four-year deal. Maybe you get a fifth-year option if they're first-round pick, obviously. But, like, after that, like, you don't want to invest a second contract in a guy that you think might finally reach his potential. Like, you want guys who are going to win now. Like, I probably should have mentioned this earlier in the podcast because I think it goes to show, like, to the point Mike has made on this podcast, like you want guys who are going to win now. You don't want a guy who's going to take a year or two to develop. I mean, maybe a year at best, but no more than that. Like you want a guy who can win now or w- win within like another season. So like when you think about guys like Anton Harrison, you know, guys like that who, you know, might feel like a project pick or maybe even Dewan Jones. Like I know I've said Dewan Jones is a win now guy, but maybe they don't see Dewan Jones as a win now guy. Like do, do you think – that automatically eliminates like some guys off the board for the Bengals in the first round? Or, or do you think that the term project is subjective? Like maybe if it's one or two years, it's fine. But if it's like a guy that you're not sure about, then it's like, no, nah, no chance. Well, you know, so I, I asked, I asked Duke this pretty much exact same question. Um, you know, and, and part of his answer was, you know, quote, the days of long-term development, looking for guys to produce four five, six years down the road, that doesn't happen. We want all of our players to have a role when they come into the building and grow into that role as best they can. You only have 53 and you only have 48 dressed on game day so that you want everybody in the mix and have a role and be ready to go, end quote. So, you know, again, I just think, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to make of that because they drafted Dax Hill last year, you know, like, you know, and again, it's just, you're at the point of the year where I guarantee you 
at the post-draft press conference on Thursday night, you know, when we talked to Zach and Duke and everybody, you know, one of the things that they're going to say is, oh, well, you know, this is the highest guy on our board. And I mean, I think I can remember one instance of a coach very publicly saying we reach for this guy uh, and or we didn't want we wanted somebody else. Um, and I think it was Urban Meyer. They wanted Kadarius Tony, um, and they ended up with Travis Etienne, um, which actually probably worked out better for him. But um, you know, I, I don't. I, I just think you know you're at the point of the year where a, a GM and a coach are never going to say, "Oh, well, you know, we were hoping to wait for this guy, or we had to reach out." They just everybody's going to be the best player available, you know, whether or not it's true or not. Um, you know, I just think that. You know, it, it's hard to take too much stock into kind of what, uh, you know, what you get from these type of things. Yeah, I mean, I just think like, you know, like you said, it's it's tough to say, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously, it, it all depends on like, what do you consider a project? Like, what do you consider a win now guy? Like, maybe someone looks at Anton Harrison as like a winner. Someone might look at him as like, not even a first round pick, like not even worthy of a first round pick. So it's tough. And it all kind of just goes goes down to like, sort of, you know, what happens in the war room on, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, next week. And then, you know, they've had a lot of the same coaches for like the last couple of years. So, you know, obviously he acknowledged that like having Brian Callahan, Lou Anarumo, Zach Taylor together for five, going into five years, like makes a difference. You know, Mike Potts, who's like one of the biggest brains behind, you know, their scouting and, you know, drafting strategy. Like he's played a big role for quite some time in Cincinnati. And I think that's a guy that, we should definitely consider talking to sometime if he's, you know, available, if we can, you know, make that happen. I think that's a guy that would be interesting to kind of pick the brain of because he, he knows, you know, a lot of what Duke knows and vice versa. Um, so, but, it's, but it's tough, obviously, because, like, those guys are probably just as guarded, if not more guarded. But, you know, there's one other thing kind of – well, I guess it does go hand-in-hand hand with the draft, but it's also a little bit separate – and, you know, there was an interesting thing that he said that really stood out to me. I think you can talk a lot about this because he was asked about, you know, signing Sidney Jones to a one-year deal, signing Terrell Basham to the short-term deal that he got, you know, your Ohio Bobcat guy that you covered. I mean, you know, what was his deal again? Was it a one-year deal? I, I yeah, Basham, Basham was a one-year deal. So Basham's a one-year deal. So Jones is a one-year deal. You know, Eli Apple was a one-year deal when, you know, he came in 2021 and he was a one-year deal when he re-signed, like, Hayden Hurst, one-year deal. Like, you look at this trend of one-year deals, and it pretty much cons- confirms what Tobin said of, like, you know, they look at themselves. Like, the Bengals look at themselves as a market where it's like, hey, come play for us, put a jersey on, and because we're such a good team, if you play for us and play well, then you're going to get a good deal. And he said this word for word, a la Hayden Hurst. And that gives away right there. The team is so confident in itself that they look at it as, hey, we won't give you a long-term deal, but because we are such a marketable place, you come play. It's like a recruiting pitch. Like you come play for us, you know, you're, you're going to go anywhere you want after that. Like give us one year of your life, give us the best year you've got and we'll take you anywhere. It took Hayden Hurst to Carolina. Eli Apple was a different story, but like if he actually played well, I could have taken him to a lot of other places if he wanted to, if you wanted to be a starter elsewhere, you know, like who knows if Sidney Jones like starts for Chidobia Wuzier, depending on his recovery then, you know, he plays well enough, either as a backup or starter, then he maybe gets another prove-it deal somewhere else, or he gets a little more money somewhere else. Same with Terrell Basher. Maybe he gets a better deal somewhere else, even though he's been with, like, five different teams. I mean, like, do you think – but, like, do you think that's a sustainable way to go? Like, do you think that's an approachable way of, like, just keep bringing guys in on short, cheap deals? Or do you think maybe there's some risk to that? You don't want to major in that. You know, you don't want to be – 
you know, you don't want to be the, the team that, you know, you, you, because the reason you're doing that is because you don't have a kind of a long-term answer at that solution or at that, you know, you don't, you don't have a long-term solution at that position, excuse me. So, you know, the reason you'd be doing that is because you want a, or you don't have a, you know, like a tight end, you know, if you draft a Michael Mayer, you know, if you draft a Dalton Kincaid in the first round, the goal would be, Hey, look, now we don't have to, now we don't have to do this anymore. Like we're good. You know, if, if we're bringing in a guy on a one-year deal, he's a depth piece, you know, uh, you know, you, that would, I, I don't think it's what you want to do. I think ideally that's the case, but in, in today's world, uh, you kind of have to do that at least to some extent, you're going to have to do that every once in a while because you're not going to hit on every draft pick. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think you want that to be the marketing point of your team, but I think you need it kind of in your back pocket to use when, uh, you know, when you need, you know, next off season, you might need a receiver and then, Hey, all of a sudden this team is one of the most marketable operations in the sport because who wouldn't want to go play with a receiver or a quarterback like Joe Burrow. And, you know, you kind of see that across the league with, you know, uh, with the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and the bills and Josh Allen, I think, you know, teams like that kind of have different marketing abilities that, you know, a team like, I don't know the, let's pick an example here, but the, the Texans, Patriots, Tom the Brady. Texans. Yeah. Something like, no, I'm saying like a team that's bad. Like, the, you know, you can't, you, you know, you can, you know, maybe market a rookie, but that's, that's obviously different than saying, come play with Patrick Mahomes, come play with Joe Burrow. Yeah, and I mean, it's just crazy because, like, you know, he wasn't cocky when he said that. I was like, oh, we're a really good team. Or, like, you'd have to come play for us on a one-year deal to prove you're even good. No, he was saying, it like, look, if you need to, like, prove – if you want to show the league that, like, you got what it takes, it's kind of like he was he was treating, like – I don't know. I'm trying to find a way to say this where I'm not, like, being misleading. Like, the way he talked about it was, like, like, think about these college coaches who are, like, looking at the transfer portal. Like, you got these guys who are, like, you know – third, fourth-year players, seniors. Like, you're looking at grad transfers. Like, look, you're a grad transfer. Give us the best year you've got, and, like, you're going to go be a first, second-round pick. Like, maybe that's maybe Nick Saban. I'm hypotheticizing here. He, he talks to these guys and says, hey, come play for me for one year. One year. Like, Jameer Gibbs. Jameer yeah. Gibbs came. He was a, a one-year wonder, and now he's probably going to be a first, second-round pick. Could be a Bengals pick. Like, if I told Jameer Gibbs, like, hey, give me the best year of your life, and I will take you anywhere you want. And maybe Duke Tobin is looking at it like, hey, come play for us for one year. And even if you don't want to stay, that's fine. We'll take you wherever you want after that. Because, hey, best case, you're great. We got a year of production out of you, like with Hayden Hurst, who was a big part of the run to the AFC Championship. Or worst case, you're Eli Apple, and um, you speak for yourself in that sense. I won't go further. And, you know, you reap what you sow at that point. But like you said, though, I think it's a balanced approach. Like You can't bank on that too much because, obviously, like, you want to have continuity, which is why I still think, like, you can't rule out a Michael Mayer. You can't rule out a Dalton Kincaid because – I mean, Irv Smith, we don't know what he's going to look like. Drew Sample, I mean, does he stay healthy? We don't know. I mean, that's a big question because he's been hurt a lot in his career. You have depth for now, but, like, you want to have a guy who you know will be there for at least three years on a rookie deal. I guess technically four years. And then if you want to keep Smith or Sample, that's great. You have more long-term continuity. And then after that, you need one more body, that's fine. Like, you can't keep them all, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I think that's... That's a good way to look at it. I don't think it's a bad approach, but I think you have to take it with a grain of salt like anything you do. But, yeah, I mean, you know, what a what a way to wrap up the month of April. I mean, what, we got the draft next week, and then pretty much after next weekend, we're, we're in the month of May, which means summertime, summertime, summertime. What's the – yeah, what's the Will, Will Smith song? I haven't listened to his stuff in a while. It's like summer, summer, summertime or something like that, right? I have no earthly idea what you're talking about. 
I have no no. Concept. I don't know what I'm talking about either. I don't yeah. even know. I, 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 yeah. I don't even know what this podcast is about anymore. Yeah, I have I'm no just idea. It's not what that, that serious. I have no idea what that song is. So then, let me ask you this: Do you have any idea of like what your ideal summer looks like? Like, let's say you know we get through you know these workouts that they've got going Anything on. Outside, um, there's really there's really nothing better than like like a Saturday when it's not too humid in like June or something, and it's like. Eight thirty, nine o'clock, and you're just like sitting outside at like a brewery with your friends, and like there's like a plate of nachos in front of you, or like one of those like hot pretzels or something like that, where you dip in like eight different kinds of mustards and cheeses with like a bunch of Ooh. beer. Yeah, oh, fantastic! Yeah, nothing beats that. So, uh, looking forward to doing that. Um, that would be wonderful. So you know what's so funny about that though? What you described is like one of the most Cincinnati things you could do. Like, you it's, know, you it's think a about it. Just a summer thing you can do. That feels no, no, I, no, no. It, it is, it is. I mean, whether you're in California or New York, it is. But like, I'm saying, think about this. I don't know if you know this, Andrew, but I didn't realize this till three years ago. Apparently, like three years ago, there was some poll that said that like Cincinnati is like the number one city for drinking, which doesn't entertain me because I'm Muslim and I don't drink alcohol, but I'm just saying like you combine that with the fact that like you have like Bavarian pretzels because of like the heavy German Catholic culture that's, you know, part of Cincinnati and like the Northern Kentucky area, like pretzels are a big thing around here. Like you, you, you won't find any shortage of like, you know, breweries with like pretzels and beer, which again, not my cup of tea, or I guess in your case, a cup of beer, glass of glass of whatever. But like, that is like the most Cincinnati thing ever, which is not a bad thing. I guess if that's what you like, good for you but see for me like obviously i'm coming from a very different and sheltered mindset of like i don't know my ideal summer is like like you mentioned the weather it's not too humid it's a nice day in june maybe even may to be honest and um i don't know for me it's like going to a, like an ice cream shop like grader's ice cream is a is a very popular ice cream spot in like kentucky and ohio it's very 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 popular in cincinnati like i imagine myself at a grader's or at there's a place actually you should try this for anyone who's in Cincinnati that hasn't heard of this. Hear me out. There's a place between over the Rhine and Clifton, basically north of downtown, called Pendleton Parlor. This place, I kid you not, serves ice cream and cookie dough, like together. Like you can get ice cream cookie dough or cookie dough ice cream, however you want to phrase it. And it is out of this world. I have not been there in like forever because I don't eat out a lot. And with Ramadan, I don't eat out at all. And actually, funny enough, today is the last day of Ramadan. So I guess I'll have an opportunity to do that next week. But yeah, I mean, like, you got to try that out. I mean, like, does that sound like, does that sound pretty good? Chocolate chip, like cookie dough with like vanilla never ice cream? I've never been a big cookie dough guy. Really? Yeah. Never I don't been, know. I just been my cup of tea. I just love like... I don't know. It's like this mentality of like, oh, I'm literally eating cookie dough. Like in a normal world, like I know everybody likes to lick the cookie dough batter. Like when your mom's making cookies and you lick the bowl, like people look at you like that's weird. But then when you're like actually eating the, the dough itself, like not the little bits of it that won't make you sick, like the actual cookie dough itself, it's like, yeah, you're like not bold, but also like bold at the same time. Like if that makes sense, like you're doing something unorthodox, but it's also like not crazy because it's not going to kill you or make you sick. But man, yeah, that sounds like my ideal summer is like you're sitting in nice, not so humid weather, eating cookie dough ice cream. And heck, I mean, if the Reds are actually somewhat decent, which we all know is never going to happen. I mean, if you could like 
do that at a Reds game. Maybe instead of like the ice cream cookie dough, you have like some Dippin' Dots, like Dippin' Dots at a baseball game. You ever had Dippin' Dots before? I think those are pretty good. Yeah, they're fine. I'd prefer regular ice cream. I think Dippin' Dots are are nice if you're in like a certain environment. Like if you're at a baseball game on a nice summer day, like yeah, Dippin' Dots aren't as good as a good regular ice cream. But in that situation, I I would have no qualms about that. Um, but man, I was gonna say like, where, where do you like to go in the summer? Like if you had to like visit places in the summer, like where do you like to go? Places I haven't been before. Okay, where, where like... have you not been that you want to go? Um, well, this summer, um, I'm trying to think. I'm going to Louisville. I uh, haven't ever been there. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, I'm not oh, from man. here. I'm not from here. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm from here, so it's normal to me. Yeah, Louisville, right. yeah. Never been to Louisville. Um, it's Louisville, gonna, by the way. Louisville, whatever. Louisville. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do, gonna do a, 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 a bourbon tour. Um, uh-huh. That'll be fun. Uh, I'm trying to think what other places I'm going. Uh, there's talk of New York City. I've never been to New York City, so I've only been there once. I liked it, but it, it was too overwhelming for me. I'm I'm a very extroverted person, but like settings like that, honestly, like drain me. So the the inner introvert inside of me likes to be in like places like Cincinnati, where you're not too big, but you're not too small. But I mean, if you've never been, I think it's a place to like take off your bucket list for sure. I do want to go to L.A. one day. I've never been to L.A. I've been to San Francisco. L.A.'s nice. Yeah, I really like L.A. Yeah, my cousin was just there for a business trip last month. He said it was pretty cool. He went to, like, Santa Monica, Orange County, which obviously is a little bit different, but it's, like, all in the same area. That'd be kind of cool. I'm a, you know, I, so I lived in Montana for a year, and, like, I went to Glacier National Park. I went to Yellowstone National Park. I want to go to some national parks this summer. Like I heard Yosemite in California is pretty nice. So if you don't want to go to like LA, but you want to go to California, that'd be pretty dope. Big Bend in Texas. I think that's like Western, like El Paso, Texas. That sounds pretty cool. Have you been to the Smoky Mountains before? That's actually, I I grew up going there a lot. Have you been to the Smokies? I have not. Believe it or not, Smoky Mountain National Park, I think last year or the year before, was the most visited national park in the United States. Which blew my mind. I thought it was going to be like Yellowstone because like you got these iconic fake TV shows basically over-exaggerating it. And then you got like you know, the other places I mentioned. But yeah, I mean, Smokey's a treasure. I think it's because like you can literally drive through there and like not have to pay anything because you got to pay to go to those parks. You, you could just go to Smoky Mountain National Park whenever, wherever. Just don't get mauled by the grizzly bears. And hopefully, hopefully, you don't run into a cocaine bear. You knew, you smiled. You knew I was going to go with that. You, you knew I was going to pull that out of the out of the bag out of the hat, whatever you want to call it. I don't even care at this point. Yeah, summer is definitely my favorite time of the year. So I just was thinking about that, and I was like, what is I? What is the ideal summertime for Andrew Gillis? And for those who don't know Muhammad Ahmad's ideal summertime, well, now you know. Well, tomorrow we're going to give you our ideal mock draft, our last joint mock draft before next week's NFL draft. Make sure you tune in. Mike joins us again as we put that together. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then next week we're going to give you everything you need to know Last second thoughts before the NFL draft. But once again, for myself and Andrew Gillis, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We'll see you Friday.